nuclear war. The West is bracing for a potential repeat of the Cold War with the fear of it going hot. That's following new comments from Russian President Vladimir Putin. China's foreign minister voicing concern while also telling the U.S. to stay out of it. That's in regards to China-Russia relations. Is the U.S. ready to tackle another nuclear threat? especially as Washington-Beijing relations remain tense and Moscow gets increasingly prickly. What's in store for the world as the superpowers face off? Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. The world seeming to move one step closer to an all-out nuclear war. Putin just issued a nuclear warning during his annual State of the Nation address. Here's what he said. The world has just moved one step closer to an all-out nuclear war. Early Tuesday, Putin delivered his annual State of the Nation address in Moscow, issuing a nuclear warning while suspending a bilateral nuclear arms control treaty. In the beginning of February this year, there was a statement from the North Atlantic Alliance demanding that Russia returns to the strategic arms treaty, as they call it, including allowing inspections of our nuclear defense facilities. I don't even know what to call the request for inspections. It's a theater of the absurd. On the other hand, the Chinese foreign minister recently claimed to be deeply worried about Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Beijing has accused the U.S. of what it called fueling the fire and is now telling Washington to stay out of its relationship with Russia. Beijing refuses to condemn Putin for the invasion. Plus, Chinese officials currently align with the Kremlin's narrative, describing the invasion as a special military operation. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken recently expressed concern over China potentially supplying weapons to Russia. Russia operates a relatively small economy, and over the last year, it has plummeted amid unprecedented Western sanctions. The West's efforts to isolate Moscow have driven Russia to become more reliant on China. And as Europe buys fewer Russian exports, China has ramped up its purchases of Russian crude oil and natural gas. Before the invasion of Ukraine, China and Russia announced a no-limits partnership to counter U.S. influence. Meanwhile, China and U.S. relations continue to decline. Both Washington and Kyiv warned China over its support for Russia. The Ukrainian president said doing so could potentially lead to a world war. The result of Putin's nuclear threat remains unclear. Patty Jane Geller, senior policy analyst for nuclear deterrence at the Heritage Foundation, pointed out a specific danger. It arises when China collaborates with Russia on nuclear weapons. Russia has a lot of experience with, with building nuclear weapons. It's also got a lot of leftover nuclear material. Uh, another thing we should be worried about is, you know, what if Russia decides to help China uh, develop its nuclear program, perhaps in response to China's aid in Ukraine? Um, th these are just more examples of the growing threats to the United States. Geller said the U.S. must not fail in the nuclear deterrence race with totalitarian regimes. Uh, you know, nuclear deterrence is, is the number one priority for U.S. national security. Uh, and if there's anything we need to uh, invest in or spend money on and, and take time to develop, it's our nuclear forces, because what's at stake here uh, is, is nuclear war and the risk of deterrence failure with, with Russia and China. Geller added that the U.S. must also be ready to compete with Russia and China in the nuclear arena. More Chinese nationals entering the U.S. through the southern border. Some of them are fleeing the Chinese communist regime's rule. But there might be other reasons, too. 
U.S. Customs and Border Protection says agents encountered nearly 3,000 Chinese nationals at the southern border from October to February. Compared to about 360 last year, it marks a 720 percent increase. News of the trend comes amid heightened tensions between the United States and China. Earlier this month, the U.S. shot down a Chinese spy balloon. Washington has told China that kind of incident can never happen again. But China described the decision to shoot down the craft as hysterical and absurd. Touching on the situation, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy wrote in a tweet, The Chinese government is spying from above. Fentanyl from China is killing Americans in every community. More Chinese nationals are crossing illegally at our southern border. He explained these reasons are why he created the Select Committee on China to confront these problems head on. The chairman of the House China Select Committee is calling on the Treasury for new sanctions. If imposed, they target six Chinese companies linked to the Chinese spy balloon. Congressman Mike Gallagher made the request in a letter to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen Monday. He described cutting off financial support as vital for those companies boosting Chinese surveillance efforts, adding, quote, especially given the history of U.S. technology aiding advanced PLA weapon systems. PLA is short for People's Liberation Army, the formal name for China's military. The Commerce Department has already added six Chinese entities to its entity list, limiting their access to U.S. technology. The five companies and one research institute were found to support Beijing's military and aerospace programs. Gallagher voiced support for that decision, but noted the entity list doesn't fully cut off the companies from U.S. money. Instead, he pushed to take it a step further. He suggested adding them to the non-SDN Chinese military industrial complex list. That would block U.S. entities from supporting companies linked to Beijing's military or surveillance sectors plus entities owned or controlled by them. Beyond that, he called on the Treasury to add all of those entities to another list, the specially designated entity list, and, quote, subject them to full blocking sanctions. The National Basketball Association is entering a partnership with a Chinese fintech giant. China's Ant Group is affiliated with Chinese e-commerce company Alibaba and its founder, Jack Ma. The partnership covers a wide range of areas, including video content program broadcasting and membership. Fans in China would also gain access to NBA videos through popular e-payment app Alipay, owned by Ant Group. The NBA is one of the United States' most popular cultural exports to China. It makes hundreds of millions of dollars a year from the Chinese market. The NBA has also held a decades-long partnership with Chinese state-run broadcaster CCTV, but that business relationship took a year-and-a-half break in recent years. Back in 2019, then-Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey took to Twitter in support of a pro-democracy movement in Hong Kong. The Chinese city was once a British colony. Beijing promised it would maintain its freedoms when control was handed back to China decades ago. But Beijing has since eroded that promise, prompting some in Hong Kong to launch mass protests. Morey's tweet faced strong criticism inside China, and CCTV stopped broadcasting NBA games because of it. In total, it turned into an 18-month blackout. The U.S. is boosting ties to one of its major allies in Asia, India. U.S. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is visiting India and met with Indian Prime Minister Modi on Tuesday. 
In a tweet, Modi said he appreciated the strong bipartisan support from U.S. Congress members. He also mentioned that U.S.-India ties are anchored in shared democratic values and strong people-to-people ties. Schumer praised his conversation with Modi in another tweet, calling it substantive and productive. He added that the ties between the two nations followed shared strategic interests, including out-competing China, combating climate change, and increasing trade. President Joe Biden is eager to deepen ties with the world's most populous democracy. It's part of his bid to win the contest between free and autocratic societies, especially China. On the other hand, border disputes between India and China have continued for decades, and dozens of India soldiers were killed in a border conflict in 2020. A fresh clash erupted between the two sides in December, but there were no deaths. What's more, India's foreign minister said on Monday that the country's relationship with Russia had held steady, despite the turbulence in global politics. India is the only major country with a close U.S. relationship that hasn't condemned Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Moscow has also been India's biggest military equipment supplier for decades. While India has become Russia's largest oil customer after China, a big help to Russia as it grapples with Western sanctions. Elsewhere in Asia, a bipartisan U.S. delegation is visiting Taiwan. On Tuesday, the lawmakers met with Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen. We come here to strengthen the economic relationship, uh, representing Silicon Valley. I particularly appreciated the meeting with Dr. Morris Chang, uh, how we can continue to build the economic partnership on technology and also, of course, the partnership uh, on military and defense. Dr. Morris Cheng is the founder of Taiwanese chipmaker Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, or TSMC. Congressman Kana is leading the delegation. He is a member of the House China Select Committee, a new tool to counter the communist regime. Lawmakers established it just last month. Like most countries, the United States has no formal diplomatic ties with Taiwan, but it's the island's biggest arms supplier. In addition, Taiwan is critical for the U.S. both geopolitically and economically. Beijing claims Taiwan as its own territory, despite the fact that Taiwan is governed by its own constitution and democratically elected leaders. The island has never been ruled by the Chinese Communist Party. China orchestrated an extensive interference campaign in Canada's 2021 federal election. That's according to top-secret documents from Canada's Security Intelligence Service, or CSIS. The highly classified documents were viewed by the Globe and Mail. The documents also describe how the Chinese regime works to gain influence over politicians, officials and business executives. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on what the documents reveal. The classified documents lay out China's two primary goals in influencing Canadian politics in 2021 to ensure the defeat of select conservative candidates and secure a minority liberal government victory. The Chinese regime's strategy includes giving cash donations to candidates, disinformation campaigns, and setting up employment for Chinese international students. The students would then be expected to volunteer for the campaigns of certain liberal candidates. The documents also describe tactics like bribery, blackmail, and seduction, methods used to gain influence over politicians, officials, and business executives. The documents further divulge that Beijing orders its consulates, visa offices, and state-owned Bank of China to alert them of any high-profile Canadians with travel plans to China. 
Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau acknowledged China has been trying to interfere in the country's elections, but he denied that they were able to affect the running or outcomes of the elections in 2019 or 2021. All Canadians can have total confidence that the outcomes of the 2019 and the 2021 elections were determined by Canadians and Canadians alone at the voting booth. Trudeau says he expects CSIS to find the whistleblowers. The documents show China's election interference campaigns also target Chinese Canadians. Conservative Member of Parliament Kenny Chu lost his 2021 re-election bid to a Liberal. He says China's disinformation campaign against him worked. Conservative Member of Parliament Alice Wong also lost to a Liberal in 2021. The 2021 CSIS report says political campaigns illegally pay donors back. That's by refunding the difference between the original donation made and the government tax credit. Former editor-in-chief of newspaper Tsingtao Daily, Victor Ho, says although he's seen China interfere in Canadian politics for years, the efforts were much more pronounced in 2021 and that CSIS should have warned Canadians before the election. China's harsh COVID-19 curbs have dimmed the outlook for the world's second-largest economy, even though officials repealed the strict rules earlier this year. That's the latest forecast by the European Chamber of Commerce in China. The nonprofit represents EU companies in China. In its 2023 and 24 Shanghai position paper, the chamber notes that more than 90% of European companies have reported severe losses from supply chain disruptions. The report cites the citywide lockdown in Shanghai last year, with shuttered factories, a collapse in consumer spending, and disrupted operations. In an earlier survey, the chamber found that just 12% of its member companies were willing to set up headquarters in Shanghai. Shanghai is the largest and wealthiest city in China. It's often a launchpad for foreign investors to enter the Chinese market. But over the past decade, the hotspot is losing its appeal to world trade. The reason? An expert says the global industrial chain has long since shifted out of China amid growing geopolitical tensions. And the zero-COVID-19 policy only sped up that momentum. Beijing is moving to bail out its citizens from rising inflation pressure through cash handouts of $6 per person per month. Residents have scoffed at the news, saying the small amount may as well be nothing. Here's the story. Chinese state media Xinhua reports that 300,000 low-income residents in Beijing will receive a monthly cash subsidy of 40 yuan. Authorities say the aid will buffer soaring food prices in the city. But the sum has sparked outrage on Chinese social media. What can $6 buy in China's capital? One comment said the amount just subsidizes a bowl of noodles. Another wrote, when low-income people take the subway to collect the money and then return, they lose 8 yuan. That's about $1 meaning the train ride to receive the money would cost more than the subsidy would provide. Over on Twitter, one user shared a calculation. The total funding needed to provide the subsidy to China's 300,000 beneficiaries would cost Beijing 12 million yuan, or $1.7 million. Compare that to what the Chinese regime has spent on grants to African students in China, about $60 billion. Here's what one Beijing citizen had to say. People have been awakened, especially we lower-income folks. Now we have seen through the Chinese Communist Party. We will never fall for it again. Internationally, the CCP seeks reputation instead of money. Domestically, it looks for money rather than reputation.
First, the party is incompetent in governing the country. Second, it doesn't single-mindedly serve the people. All officials do is secure their own positions. In Beijing, food prices are outpacing the national average. The cost of vegetables has soared 24 percent in the last month. As local authorities reel from soaring debts, people in several cities are protesting recent slashes to social benefits. This after three years of COVID-19 controls drained the regime's coffers. Coming up, while Russia weighs leaving a nuclear pact with the West, what could that decision mean for the U.S.? NTD Evening News host Stephania Cox spoke to Patty Jane Geller on the issue. Geller is a senior policy analyst for nuclear deterrence at the Heritage Foundation. See the full interview after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. A nuclear warning from Russia. What does the message mean for Washington's nuclear strength? NTD Evening News host Stephania Cox spoke to Patty Jane Geller on the nuclear pact, especially in light of rising U.S.-China tensions. Geller is a senior policy analyst for nuclear deterrence at the Heritage Foundation. Here's her take. Now, Putin says that he's pulling back from Russia's last remaining nuclear arms control pact with the U.S. How serious is this, in your view? It's absolutely serious. Without the arms control treaty, the U.S. and Russia lose that uh, transparency and uh, dialogue that we've been used to having regarding uh, our nuclear forces. Um, but it's not just serious. It's also not surprising, unfortunately. Uh, Russia has violated nearly every arms control agreement that it's it's ever been party to. Uh, you know, it recently violated the INF treaty, the Open Skies treaty. Uh, a new start is just the latest. Um, so I think the important takeaway is that the U.S. can no longer rely on, on arms control with Russia uh, for our security. You know, our top priority has to be uh, maintaining a strong nuclear deterrence and being able to, to compete and come from a position of strength with Russia uh, where necessary. And you've said that China's on its way to catching up with or surpassing the U.S. in nuclear capability. If Beijing does start supplying weapons to Russia, as the U.S. warned this week that it might do, does that change the nature of the threat of nuclear war? Yeah, so we recently learned that um, Russia, China might start providing uh, weapons to, to Russia in its fight with uh, Ukraine. And this is the, the latest example of the growing military cooperation uh, between Russia and China. Um, you know, we haven't seen any cooperation at the nuclear level yet. Um, it's all been conventional. Russia and China have conducted military exercises uh, of its of its Navy and Air Forces in the Indo-Pacific, for example. Um, but we have to look for potential next steps. And if Russia and China continue their military cooperation, uh, it could get up to the nuclear level. Um, we have to watch for Russian and Chinese uh, exercises using their nuclear-capable missiles or bombers. Um, you know, you mentioned that China is on its way to uh, surpassing the U.S. and its nuclear capabilities. Well, uh, Russia has a lot of experience with, with building nuclear weapons. It's also got a lot of leftover nuclear material. Uh, another thing we should be worried about is, you know, what if Russia decides to help China uh, develop its nuclear program, perhaps in response to China's aid in Ukraine? Um, th these are just more examples of the growing threats to the United States um, and the fact that the U.S. has to do more to strengthen its military to, to prepare uh, for, for potential growing Russian-Chinese military cooperation. So what would it take, do you think, to deter this potential collaboration? 
Yeah, it's going to take a significant investment uh, to, to strengthen U.S. nuclear forces. Uh, the current U.S. nuclear force, you know, the number and the types of nuclear weapons we have, uh, they were all developed during the Cold War. Um, for example, our, our nuclear missiles, uh, the long-range missiles that can strike uh, Russia and China, were designed in 1960 uh, and deployed in 1970. They were supposed to retire in, in 1980, but we've been squeezing the life out of them since then. Uh, so all of our forces, they're really old. Um, the U.S. is currently working on a significant modernization program to replace those nuclear forces with new ones. But it's taking a really long time. Uh, and quite frankly, this current nuclear modernization effort is not going to be enough. Um, the U.S. will need to invest in its nuclear forces to develop um, more and more advanced capabilities. Uh, you know, nuclear deterrence is, is the number one priority for U.S. national security. Uh, and if there's anything we need to uh, invest in or spend money on and, and take time to develop, it's our nuclear forces, because what's at stake here uh, is, is nuclear war and the risk of deterrence failure with, with Russia and China. It can take years to develop nuclear weaponry. Do you think we have enough time? You, you point out an exact problem that we're facing. Um, it does take a lot of time to develop nuclear forces. And un unfortunately, the infrastructure that the U.S. has to uh, build new nuclear weapons, it has atrophied over time. You know, the U.S. is actually the only nuclear weapon state that does not have the capacity to produce nuclear weapons right now. Uh, even North Korea can produce more nuclear weapons than the U.S. can. Uh, so the U.S. is working on restoring some of these capabilities, but we won't be able to produce new nuclear weapons until at least the end of the decade. So, you know, I'm, I'm saying we have to strengthen our nuclear forces, but it will take time and we, we don't even have a lot of the infrastructure we need to do so. So I think this highlights the point. We need um, more attention to the nuclear deterrent. Um, the, the president needs to uh, talk about this to the American people and direct uh, the DOD to strengthen our nuclear forces. And, and we have to be ready to compete with Russia and China in the nuclear arena. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.